Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz with your host, Gail Dixon. Tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. for great shows about obtaining and maintaining health, business, and finance. Learn from the experts here at PIHradio.net. And now, broadcasting from the Partners in Health and Biz studio, here's Gail. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to my show. This is, as you heard, Partners in Health and Biz, and we are broadcasting live from our Columbia, Maryland studio. We have a fantastic show planned for you. For those who have been following us for years, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for the new listeners, welcome. Continue to listen. Today's show, What You Should Know About Your Thyroid. My special guest is Dr. Victor Burnett. MD. And so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my special guest. Then I'll open his microphone and bring him on. So let me tell you about Dr. Victor Burnett. He is a medical doctor. He is the chair of the Division of Endocrinology at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and is an associate professor in the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine. Dr. Burnett served 21 years in the U.S. Army Medical Corps, retiring at the rank of colonel. He was the endocrinology consultant to the Army Surgeon General and director of the Combined Army-Navy Endocrinology Fellowship. Dr. Burnett's academic interests are focused in the field of thyroidology, and he has been the author, co-author of more than 40 peer-reviewed articles and 15 book chapters. Dr. Burnett assumed the position of Secretary Chief Operating Officer of the American Thyroid Association in October 2015. He is also a member of the International Thyroid Oncology Group. So without further ado, I would like to open Dr. Victor Burnett's microphone this morning and uh, welcome him to Partners in Health and Biz. Good morning, Dr. Burnett. How are you? Morning, Gail. I'm doing great. Thank you uh, for having me on your Partners in Health and, and Biz broadcast. Oh, thank you for being uh, available and willing to join us. We know you uh, have so much information about thyroids, and uh, being that this is your Field and this month is Thyroid Awareness Month, so we thought it quite appropriate to see if we could uh, have you on, and uh, so this works out wonderful. So, Dr. Um, Burnett, let's just jump into this, and before we do, I'd like to give out the call-in number here so any of our listeners could uh, call in if they, they can call in if they have questions. The number to call in is 347-945-7433, 347-945-7433 if you have a question or a comment. So the first question we have for Dr. Burnett is um, many of us have heard about the thyroid, and we don't really understand what what it does, what it is. Um, we've heard I've heard some people say, well, if you gain too much weight, maybe you have a thyroid condition. But, Dr. Burnett, what is the thyroid gland, and what function does it have in the body? Well, sure, Gail. It's a, it's a very important gland. It sits in the base of the front part of your neck uh, in front of your windpipe, and it has a butterfly-type shape. 
uh, and it has what we call a right and a left lobe. So it sits on both sides of your neck, and then there's a little connector we call something an isthmus, and it connects the two lobes. And it makes thyroid hormone. And there's um, several types of thyroid hormone. There's a prothyroid hormone that is kind of uh, around to be converted into a more active thyroid hormone, which we call the, the less active or prohormone T4 and then T3, the more active hormone. And then it goes to throughout the body, and it in, it does impact one's metabolism. And you mentioned about weight gain. I mean, there are many reasons for weight gain, but if someone has uh, a uh, underactive thyroid, they might have weight gain. And actually, if you have an overactive thyroid, you might lose weight unintentionally. And it impacts your breathing, your mental function, your muscular function. It basically all the cells in the body use thyroid hormone to optimize their function and stuff. So it's a very important hormone. And when it's out of whack, either too much or too little, it's not good for the system as a whole. And I tell patients sometimes it's a little bit like the oil in your car. You don't want too much and you don't want too little or the engine isn't going to run right. Mm, okay. So I understand, uh, but... There are many problems uh, that I assume can develop from a person that has a thyroid problem. And then I want to distinguish between a thyroid problem, a thyroid condition, and later on thyroid cancer because I assume there is, you know, a difference. A person could possibly Mm -hmm. have a thyroid condition and not have thyroid cancer. Yes, Um, so what are the so problems de- that can develop? I'm sorry, go ahead. Sure. We uh, So we'd like to divide the thyroid issues, uh, medical conditions, into functional issues or structural issues. And so functional issues would be, again, is the thyroid producing enough hormone? The thyroid actually receives a message from the pituitary, something called thyroid-stimulating hormone. We call it TSH for short, and we can measure that in blood testing and tells the thyroid to make hormone or makes less TSH if it thinks the thyroid's made plenty and it doesn't want to make too much, and that's very tightly regulated. But if that gets out of whack, then you can have an underfunctioning thyroid, and you'll make less of that T4 and, and ergo less of that active T3. And initially it can be what we call subclinical, which means yeah, you don't necessarily have a lot of symptoms. You might have one or two uh, symptoms, like feel a little sluggish or Maybe uh, you're struggling with your weight a little bit or your skin's a little bit dry or maybe you're a little constipated or something like that, but they're not overwhelming uh, symptoms. And then as that progresses, if the thyroid slows down more and more, you can get more dramatic symptoms and people can really feel fairly unwell when they have significant hypothyroidism. And uh, it can actually get to the point of being dangerous. If you're undiagnosed uh, and you get really severe uh, deficiency of thyroid hormone, the body doesn't necessarily compensate well. And then uh, a severe uh, infection or medical condition like a heart attack or stroke can precipitate uh, you to be even that much more sick because uh, you're starting off with underlying hypothyroidism. So those are already bad enough things as they are, and then it can tip you over. And conversely, the other condition, uh, what we see is an overactive thyroid. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. So when we mean an overactive thyroid, you, you have excess thyroid hormone in your system, but sometimes the thyroid isn't 
pumping it out actively, the thyroid gets inflamed. And so imagine if you get an inflammation and you have all this pre-stored hormone, it starts to leak the hormone out of the gland into the bloodstream. And uh, women who have been pregnant can get something called postpartum thyroiditis. So they have this inflammation after delivery, and then they can become where they have too much thyroid for a while, too much thyroid hormone. And then they actually use that up, and then the thyroid can't make hormone, and then they only get low, so they go from kind of too much to too little. And it's very stressful for them because they have a little one. They're trying to keep up. They already are, it's already tiring for a new mom without having a thyroid condition, and so you can have that type of thyroiditis. Or you can develop something called Graves' disease, and that's named after a British doctor from the 1800s who published one of the first cases uh, of a patient who developed an enlarged thyroid, which we use the term goiter for an enlarged thyroid, that was overproducing hormone, and the patient uh, was, uh, their eyes became more prominent, they became very jittery, they were losing weight despite eating more calories, um, their bowel movements get very loose, and they get diarrhea, and high, we call it more hyperdefecation, we need more frequent bowel movements, uh, and uh, they're miserable. So Can you spell that? You said it's called raised disease, how, how is that spelled? Graves disease. So oh, that's Graves the type of, disease. I, Graves, it's G-R-A-V-E-S. So Dr. Robert Graves, uh, British doctor, yes. Okay. Um, so not to, not to um, cut you off, but if you have these symptoms and uh, they're not, say it's just in the stage of symptoms and it hasn't developed into something serious, is this uh, the thyroid um, problem, condition, is this something that, if it's say if it's uh, underactive um, mm-hmm. and you don't do anything, it can it possibly improve on its own, or will it not improve unless it's being being treated with, um, I don't know, medication or if sure. you're under a doctor's um, care. Yeah. As so well it, as it well as be... as well as overactive also. Yeah. Sure. So for the underactive, typically um, there's not much we can uh, um, do as far as making it improve by improving your lifestyles or your diet or stuff like that. Uh, if it's become underactive, many times it's because you have an autoimmune condition, meaning your own immune system is starting to attack normal tissue. Uh, and there's another funny name for the most common form of underactive thyroid, which is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and Dr. Hashimoto was a Japanese doctor in the early uh, 18, oh, sorry, early 1900s, late 1800s, who described this where your immune system attacks your thyroid and it becomes underactive, and so usually you have to take uh, medication, and we have a medication that a doctor can prescribe and regulate that contains uh, thyroid hormone in it, and it needs to be adjusted to an appropriate dose for each individual, and most people will feel better. Going back to the, the ladies who get the postpartum thyroiditis, sometimes that will get better on its own, and all you have to do is watch them. But sometimes their phase of being underactive is so severe, we treat them with thyroid hormone for maybe six months up to a year, and then we see if we can wean them off the medication because we'd rather have their own gland take over. But sometimes that inflammation takes a while to repair itself. Oh, okay. Now going to the – oh, okay. 
the overactive thyroid, well, there are different ways we can handle the uh, the hyperthyroid or overactive thyroid. There are three main uh, options. One is there are some pills that will actually slow the function of the thyroid. We call them antithyroid medications, and there's two main ones. And uh, we prescribe those. You take them once or twice, no more than three times a day, depending on how overactive your thyroid is. And over a couple months, we can get the levels under control, and then you can take that. Uh, Sometimes we give it for about a year, and we try to get that settled down, and we can see if people can come off the meds, but not always. And the other two treatments would be you can actually use uh, iodine, which is part of thyroid hormone is made out of iodine molecules, but you can give a radioactivity to the iodine, and they discovered this in the 1940s, and deliver it to an overactive gland by just having a patient swallow a pill with some of this radioactive iodine, and it will knock the overactive thyroid out of commission, and then you typically go on thyroid hormone replacement. And then the final thing is sometimes we need to involve one of our surgical colleagues and and patients undergo thyroid surgery, but that's probably the least common of of the three treatments for an overactive thyroid. Okay. So there is hope that whether you have an underactive or an overactive thyroid gland, uh, that you can possibly with um, some type of medication be weaned off of the medication because I know a lot of my listeners are, <laughs> are, are naturopaths or believe in trying to trying to heal themselves naturally, you know, through uh, whatever possibly they can do in order to, you know, not have to stay on medication for mm-hmm. a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so in some cases you're saying it is possible to wean the person off of this medication and bring their thyroid back into a normal state so that they can get off the medication. Is that, is yeah. that oh. correct? Well, let me, it's not quite, let me uh, extrapolate a little bit. So with the, once you have an underactive thyroid, one is typically has to take thyroid hormone replacement the rest of their life. Now, I will point out that the medications people are given uh, have basically what is the identical uh, T4, and, and sometimes it has T3 in these pills, uh, And uh, but even if you're just on the plain one with T4, it's basically the same product that's already in the body. Yeah, they have to turn it into a pill, uh, and so there's some inactive ingredients to turn it into a pill, but I would consider it natural from the standpoint one already has that thyroid hormone in your system. We're not giving something that's foreign to the body. But that usually is that usually is permanent. I mean, sometimes the thy- the ones with the thyroiditis will recuperate and don't need to be on it. But people with like the Hashimoto's thyroiditis, they get to the point of an underactive thyroid. That damage is irreversible and persists. And with the hyperthyroidism, if you yeah, there is a chance of getting into remission with taking the pills. The problem is the remission rate is 30 to 50% of patients. So there's still a lot of patients after a year and a half of the medications to slow down the thyroid for the overactive condition that still will need some, either need to continue those pills longer or might need to go to the radioiodine. And again, less likely the thyroid surgery unless something special is going on. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, thank you for clearing that up. Um, that does make make a lot of sense. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to have a word from one of our sponsors, about 32 seconds if you want to grab some water or whatever, and we're going to hear from uh, per- Perfect Health Consulting Services, 
and we'll be right back after this message. So don't go away. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Do you suffer from allergies, depression, arthritis, headaches, diabetes, and hair loss? If so, these symptoms could indicate a mineral imbalance or toxicity. Kristen Harper, certified nutrition consultant, speaker, and founder of Perfect Health Consulting Services, holds the key to your health and vitality. Hair analysis provides information from where problems begin. Order your personal hair analysis at Perfect Health Consulting Services. Welcome back. You are listening to Partners in Health and Biz on the PIH Radio Network. I'm your host, Gail Dixon McBride. Actually, I had that McBride part, just got married. And we are broadcasting live from our Columbia studio. My special guest, once again, is Dr. Victor Burnett, MD medical doctor, and he is here He is the chair of the Division of Endocrinology at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and chief operating officer of the American Thyroid Association. Our topic and discussion this morning is centered around the various types of thyroid conditions and diseases and how to avoid getting the disease or cancer. So before we went to our commercial, we were discussing hypo thyroidism, hypothyroidism, and uh, underactive and overactive thyroid. And uh, also we talked about uh, Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) Dr. Burnett, what what is a thyroid nodule and how are they found? That's another. Sure, Gail. So these, uh, it's interesting, but a lot of our organs in our body will make little cysts and nodules. Um, I try to give the comparison uh, to what when we have molds on our skin. I think most of us have freckles and molds on our skin, and it looks a little bit different than your normal skin. And, uh, you know, a doctor will look at it and say, oh, yeah, it looks like, a, you know, an unconcerning mole. And then, oh, well, that one, you know, maybe we should check that one out. And, oh, that one doesn't look good. We should check it out. But it, it's skin tissue. It's just a little bit different than your normal skin. So the thyroid can develop little nodules and cysts, so cysts are fluid-filled uh, areas, and pure cysts aren't worrisome at all. And most nodules, 95% of thyroid nodules are benign, meaning they're not cancer. But there is a propensity uh, for the thyroid to get these low-grade, typically low-grade cancers, uh, and so one has to evaluate a nodule, and so there are guidelines from like the American Thyroid Association uh, that we publish for uh, physicians uh, and uh, nurse practitioners, PAs, to use when they take care of patients. Uh, And it kind of gives a guidance and says, well, if this nodule is a certain size or certain appearance, then it should undergo what we call a fine needle aspiration, which is like a biopsy. It's using a very thin needle, and we take a sample from the nodule using ultrasound to guide the needle into the nodule. And then a pathologist or cytopathologist uh, reads the slides and says, yeah, this looks like benign material, and then we can follow the nodules. And if it's something more concerning, then then sometimes it precipitates surgery because we have a concern it could be thyroid cancer. But so most thyroid nodules are benign, but they're very prevalent. We believe about 50% of the population has thyroid nodules, although many of them don't need to be uh, addressed. And actually, just to comment, 
um, in South Korea, they started saying, well, we should just do thyroid ultrasound on everyone as a precautionary thing. And it led to uh, an explosion in the diagnosis of thyroid cancer, but it was um, clinically small cancers that actually, and I know this sounds a little weird, but was not going to threaten the patient's life and cause more harm than good, and they've actually given up on that program because it was causing more problems for patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, So screening is not, thyroid ultrasound screening is not recommended uh, per se, unless you have an extremely strong family history or, again, uh, you know, physical exam, something's wrong, and then your doctor says, yeah, I feel a lump. Okay, we want to follow that up. Or more commonly, people have a imaging because they have neck pain or they hurt their shoulder or their upper chest. They've been having symptoms in their lungs and they get a CT or MRI and lo and behold, they incidentally find thyroid nodules and then uh, they usually get sent to the physician a lot of times an endocrinologist uh, who will evaluate their thyroid nodules. Oh, okay. Now, um, question. So many times, uh, most of the time when I hear people talk about the thyroid, uh, it's usually something, some type of condition um, that women have. Is does, Do men have a thyroid gland? <laughs> yes, they, they have a thyroid gland. But it's, you bring up an interesting uh, issue. So autoimmune disorders in general – because uh, there are things that are in rheumatology, other other fields of medicine, specialties of medicine, women tend to have a propensity to develop uh, autoimmune conditions more so than men. But having said that, uh, we definitely have men who get overactive and underactive thyroids and thyroid cancers. But when you look at the numbers, a lot of times when you look at it, it's three or four women uh, to every man. So it's it's you know much more common in uh, in women by and large the the underactive, the overactive. Uh, of course, uh, something like postpartum thyroiditis, a man really couldn't get because he can't get pregnant. And uh, <laughs> then uh, the thyroid cancer, yeah, a little bit more of a predisposition for women to have it. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Uh, now, this is another uh, common question, and, and if any of my listeners want to call in, you need to call in right now. The call-in number, if you have a question for Dr. Burnett, is 347-945-7433. I know we're, we're zooming through these, and uh, Dr. Burnett is answering a lot of questions and giving us so much really great information uh, but, you know, you have to call in now if you want to get your question in. Um, so, Dr. Burnett, um, this is another thing. A lot of women that uh, have hair loss sometimes wonder if that can be a symptom of thyroid disease or th- some type of thyroid problem. Is is that one of the symptoms, and can you go through through those symptoms that uh, sure. sometimes occur? So definitely uh, both an underactive and an overactive thyroid can lead to some changes in hair. And hair growth is a funny thing because it takes several cycles to stabilize hair once there's been a change. So say someone develops an underactive thyroid, they get diagnosed, they get treated, uh, it can take six, eight months until they feel like their hair settles down from where it was uh, after starting therapy, but usually it should settle down. Now, one thing I do encounter is um, that uh, it's not well, I think, understood by the general population that your hair doesn't stay the same your whole life. Uh, you know, I think men know this very well because I know my hair doesn't look like what I was 20. 
But ladies are thinking that their hair is going to be nice and full their whole life. And unfortunately, what the, the truth of the matter is as you age, your hair tends to thin and such. And so sometimes we have patients come in and they're worried it's their thyroid. And in reality, their thyroid levels look fine. So while the thyroid definitely does this and it can have significant impacts and treatment usually helps, uh, we always need to keep our mind open to what other things could be going on. You know, are they having a well-rounded diet? What are their stress? Stressors, uh, there are other endocrine conditions that, uh, like excess testosterone levels, stuff like that, that can cause mm. excessive hair growth and scalp hair loss. So we try to broaden uh, the uh, the thought process if people have hair complaints because it it, it, it may be their thyroid, but it could be something else. Mm, yeah, I guess that there are a lot of tests that have to be um, made in order to diagno- diagnose that. Um, and like you said, it could be lots of other things that could be going on besides thyroid condition. Um, yep. <laughs> what about uh, supplements? Should should I or should my listeners be taking uh, any type of supplements to for the thyroid to enhance its function? Is that something that we should be doing on a daily basis? That's a great question. So I would say it's important to have uh, enough iodine in your diet, and most people in the U.S. do. And I would suggest getting it through your diet is probably the number one way to do that. And we definitely know in countries where there's iodine deficiency, you can get enlarged thyroids, so goiters, and you can get different issues with function. And actually, a chronic low iodine state, those countries have a higher thyroid cancer risk and such. But what's not been proven is, and when you look on the market, there are like iodine supplements that have tremendously more iodine than the body needs per day. So this, the iodine, if you're going to take something, I would make sure it's in the form of a regular multivitamin because it, many of the dedicated just iodine pills have an, or drops have an enormous amount of iodine in them. Then the other thing I'd like to comment on, because I did some research on this, I had a handful of patients uh, uh, come to me that had weird thyroid function tests, and we couldn't explain them initially. And then we talked a little bit more, and uh, we had already asked them about their medications, but they had failed to share that they were on some supplements. And so when we checked the, the supplements uh, that they were taking, once they had mentioned them, we sent some of them off for analysis, and they actually had active thyroid hormone in them, which is a prescription. Yeah. And this led to us to do a study where we got the 10 most popular products off the Internet search, tested them, and 9 out of 10 actually had thyroid hormone in them, and they Mm. caused problems. And some of them had Mm. as much or more thyroid hormone than one might prescribe. So uh, it's hard when 90% of them had some sort of T4, T3 that they weren't supposed to have to recommend supplements. I recommend a well-rounded diet, uh, multivitamin with a little iron is a very reasonable thing to do, but I would not recommend any specific supplements for the thyroid because there's just data lacking that it helps. And there is data that some of these unregulated supplements uh, can actually cause harm. So were these thyroid supplements or were they just multivitamins that had... uh thyroid hormones in the vitamin in the multivitamin yeah no they were called they were kind of marketed under thyroid support make your thyroid work better so they were specific to the thyroid and uh, again we we published this in the uh, the journal thyroid uh, which is actually the name of a journal that the american thyroid association uh, uh 
publishes uh, with Marianne Liebert. And, uh, yeah, and we uh, publish this, and it's been interesting. And we're not the only ones who have found stuff in certain supplements. There's other supplements that have had steroids and stuff in it. So I would say it's buyer beware on the supplements because, unfortunately, the ways uh, the rules are the FDA can't, is not allowed to actively uh, uh, look at these supplements. They can only do something if there's a problem or somebody complains they developed an issue or if, you know, we do a report like we did and identify, uh, you know, then they can take a more proactive look. But uh, the uh, Congress has a, a law that was made back in the 90s that kind of says supplements won't be regulated. Okay, well, we're almost out of time, less than two minutes left, Dr. Burnett. Uh, could you quickly uh, let us know if there are any foods that we should or shouldn't avoid uh, to um, the, the specific foods, and then uh, tell us a little more about your organization and how people can get in contact with you. Sure. As far as foods, again, a nice, healthy diet, of course, is important. Um, there's some stuff on the Internet, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower could potentially slow the thyroid. You would have to eat such an enormous amount of those foods that I don't <laughs> think anyone could get that amount in. Uh, if you had a, a, a thyroid that was about to fail and you had a healthy dosing of that, it might slow it down. But really, no, there's no particular foods other than, again, avoiding those supplements. And I have seen someone who ate high amounts of, like, herring fish, and he got a lot of iodine that way, but no. Okay. And as far okay. as the American Thyroid Association, we're very easy to find, and we do have patient-related information uh, at www.thyroid.org, uh, or you can put in ATA and thyroid, uh, and it will, um, you know, it will, when you do your search, pop up, and there's a patient section, and it talks about hypo, hyperthyroidism, thyroid nodules, thyroid cancers we have, over 20-some uh, topics, and uh, it's in English, and many of them are also available in Spanish. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, here on Partners in Health and Biz. This has been my pleasure. I certainly have been informed with all your information, value, knowledge and information, Dr. Burnett. Uh, we'll have to have you back on. <laughs> well, thank you, Gail. Okay, so... Oh, thank you. So, everyone, uh, we're going to sign off. Make sure you follow me on my website, Our Community Now, uh, where you can uh, read about um, information regarding uh, related to D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Colorado, and Missouri. It's Our Community Now, and my weekly health column is called Your Health Matters. Your Health Matters. Also, you can find out more information by visiting uh, the website, www.partnersinhealth.biz, www.partnersinhealth.biz. Until next Saturday, everyone, stay healthy and business savvy. Have a blessed day.